Hey there, it's Danielle Alvari of VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Be sure to check out my new podcast, the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all the LA teams, plus USC and my personal favorite and alma mater, UCLA. So if you're from Los Angeles or a fan of any of the LA sports teams and want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So please subscribe, follow, and listen to the Los Angeles CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into your Monday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Happy Monday, guys. Can you believe that it's November already? November 1st, if you're listening on Monday. And if you are, kudos to you. You never miss a beat. Lots to get to in this show. I cannot believe how far we are in both the NFL and college football seasons at this point. And it's kind of a sad point for me as a UCLA fan. And we'll get into that later because that Utah game was just... You know, I want to say heartbreaking, but it wasn't because I, I, I really was not that surprised. That's not where we're going to start, though. First today, Rams and Texans recap. Kind of a snoozer, but we'll talk about it because they have an actual opponent coming up this weekend. Patriots at Chargers as well. A little surprise there. If you thought the Chargers were going to just handle business as usual. And then Arizona at USC. We'll also get into that alongside UCLA and Utah. Then later on in the show, Thunder at the Clippers Monday night. We're going to talk some NBA. Talk a little bit of what's going on. And my question really is, what's going on with the Clippers? We're expecting the Thunder to be off to the start they're off to, but I do not know what is going on with this Clippers team. Finally, Steve Mackinnon will join the pod to discuss true home field advantage in the Pac-12. Does it exist? He did a really cool article on this on vcin.com. Make sure you check that out. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. Luckily for me, after a loss to Utah, UCLA on a bye week. As for USC, at ASU this week and a nine-point dog right now. Total sitting around 58 and a half. Money line here, USC plus 250. Now, uh, before you go and run that bet that money line, then maybe you just want to hear a quick recap of the game in case you missed it. That's coming up soon. As to the NFL, Titans at the Rams. Rams a six and a half point favorite here. Total sitting at 53 and a half. And then the Chargers. Minus two and a half at the Eagles. Total sitting at 51 and a half. Chargers money line minus 159. When was the last time you saw a Chargers money line like that? As to the NBA, as I just mentioned, Thunder at the Clippers Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Clippers are an 11-point favorite. Total sitting at 212 and a half. The Rockets are also at the Lakers on Tuesday. So something to look forward to as well if you're a Lakers fan. You can find all these odds at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Without further ado, let's get into the recaps here. Let's start with the Rams and get out of the way. They closed as 16 and a half point favorites here at the Texans, which is, <laughs> I mean, so many points. It went up, actually. We saw this open around, I believe, minus 15 in the Monday leading up to the game. By Wednesday or Thursday, it was 14 and a half, and then shot up to 16 and a half when news confirmed that Terod Taylor was not going to be playing for the Texans. So up to 16 and a half. Final score, 38 to 22 Rams. I don't know if that tells the story of this game very well because those points, those 22 points for the Texans all came in the fourth quarter, which meant the over hit 
It didn't look like it was going to, but it did. And then the Rams get the cover just narrowly, unless, of course, you grabbed the Texans plus 16 and a half or 17 before kickoff uh, or in game, even at the very start. So if you grabbed one of those 16 and a half or 17s, it did, uh, it did not cover for you on the Rams side of things. So little split skis there. As for Matt Stafford, he's just been on a tear. I mean, I think Rams fans have gotten more than they could have imagined from him. 305 yards, 21 of 32, three touchdowns. Just, I mean, they played the Texans, all right? So just, but at the same time, exciting to see. Daryl Henderson, Robert Woods, they each scored twice. Uh, rookie linebacker Ernest Jones intercepted a pass in his first start. Good news for the linebacker core there, desperately needed. And the pass rush, how about them, racked up five sacks. So, again, closed around 16 and a half. Davis Mills is in instead of Terod Taylor. Tough if he got the closing line on that one. But maybe some value or, or a little bit of uh, inspiration to look at these lines a little bit earlier in the week when possible. This overhitting is a little... I mean, it's, it was treacherous. And this is the kind of game that you have to worry about that with, right? Because when the Rams are favored by this many points, there's just this big of a gap, a mismatch in these two teams, then you're bound to hit some garbage time at some point. The Rams are up 38-0 to zero heading into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, Rex Burkhead ran one in. Davis Mills aired it out to Brandon Cooks. You get how it goes. But they got 22 points in one quarter. I felt bad, though. I had a friend actually say that they had the Texans under their points total props, which I think they got at 11. And I mean, going into the fourth quarter, they were shut out. And they threw 22 points on the board. That's tough. That's a tough one. Not exactly a bad beat, per se. But still not fun. Uh, I didn't end up playing this one because I, I remember I mentioned that I was interested in an under here. But I didn't really know what was going on with Terod Taylor. That had my interest peaked. But overall, just glad that I dodged that bullet because this game was just virtually unbettable. And if you were going to bet a side, you would have bet the Rams. And hopefully you got the better number and got that to cover for you. Next up, the 6-2 and two Titans and Derrick Henry, a.k.a. the NFL's leader in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. They're coming to SoFi Stadium. Scary. Sunday, November 7th, 5.20 p.m. Pacific time. The Rams are the favorite here. Six and a half points is the number. Total sitting at 53 and a half. Now keep in mind the Titans did beat the Colts on Sunday. If you missed that one, overtime or 34 to 31. Again, Titans are six and two. I feel like I always overlook the Titans, but I, I definitely better not this week. This is definitely something we're going to get into more so on Wednesday, even Friday's episode. But as you can see, I don't, I don't uh, get the first number available usually. I like to sit on this game, see what happens throughout the week before I make a final decision usually. But Titans and Rams, minus six and a half. My just initial thought seeing that line sounds kind of high. I know this Rams team is good. But sounds kind of high to me. Total sitting at 53 and a half. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. So we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully the Rams can keep it going now that they're going to actually be facing some real competition again. The Chargers definitely had some competition on Sunday. Patriots at the Chargers. Chargers were four and a half point favorites. Total was at 49. That was as high as five and a half, I believe, early in the week by Wednesday. 
total had dropped a little bit. But final score here, 27 to 24 Patriots. They cover as road dogs. They win and cover, mind you. They're now four and four. The Chargers are four and three. And the glimmer at the start of the season with the Chargers is fading with each passing week. Let's talk about the Patriots. How did they get this done? Because unfortunately, it was definitely not because of the offense. It was the defense that got it done for them. In fact, it was it was almost in spite of their offense. The Chargers were only able to go 4-12 and on third downs. Justin Herbert, 18 of 35 for 223 yards for two touchdowns and two interceptions. Does Bill Belichick and his defense know how to create Herbert interceptions or what? I believe he had two interceptions and zero touchdowns last year when they played. Got shut out 45-0. to And honestly, that was a different year, different team. But same coach, Bill Belichick. Maybe you've heard of him. And when I saw that, I went back, you know, last week looking at this game, and I was like, how did it go last year? That was like a huge red flag to me. It just was. And I know that past performance is not a predictor of, of future performance necessarily, but it goes to show you how skilled Bill Belichick is at game planning. And I know that we think very highly of Brandon Staley, as we should, and he had the extra week to prepare, too. It's tough to say. I don't, I don't know what to say about that performance, especially with the extra week of rest. I mean, rust versus rest, right? I mentioned the offense for the Patriots. Mac Jones, he also went 18 of 35, same as Justin Herbert, but he had 218 passing yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yes, you heard that right. Zero touchdowns. Before that... Jones had completed 70.4% of his passes in the first seven games, so kind of a, an off day for him. But you're probably wondering, how did the Patriots score then? You know, in case you missed the game, quick recap, four field goals. Rushing touchdown from Damian Harris. Thank you. He's on my fantasy team. Still lost. Forgot to set my lineup. Marquise Brown was in, and he is on a bye week with the Raiders, so that was unfortunate for me, but thank you, Damian, nonetheless. And in the fourth quarter... Adrian Phillips, 26-yard pick six, his second interception of the game versus former team, mind you. It's his first multi-interception game of his eight-year career. That is not on accident. This is one of those things, too, where when people handicap games, there are a lot of people who like to go strictly by the numbers, just want to work off of that. There's some people who really like the eye test and they like to go with their gut. This is one of those things that you would see more on the ladder where you have to look at things like going up against your old team. Does that give you an extra level of motivation? And for some players, it does more often than not. So that sealed it for the Patriots. I told you guys early in the week that I liked Chargers minus five and a half off the bat. I was not alone here. There was a lot of people who thought the Chargers should win this game. It wasn't until I got into this game a little bit later in the week that I started to get nervous and simply because the Patriots defense and Bill Belichick, that made me nervous. And also based on the fact that it kind of seemed like he had a, their, that Belichick had their number last year. And again, like I, I'm not trying to hang it all on that, but it just really was like 45 to zero. I know it's a new coach, but oh my gosh. And, and that's kind of, I think what everyone's like, oh, well, Staley's not going to let that happen. And he didn't really close game 27 to 24. And again, Adrian Phillips is what's, you know, that interception, that pick six is what sealed the game really there. It could have gone the other way. So it wasn't, it wasn't a repeat of last year by any stretch, but it was a situation when it came down to just before kickoff, I did not 
want to have to lay points. And I hadn't bet, I hadn't locked in this bet for this game yet, which I know, terrible. Like literally up to the last minute of this game. And I finally decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points. I'm just gonna take the points. I didn't even I still thought the Chargers would win on the money line, but I thought I'd rather have some points here. So I took Patriots plus six and a half. I think it was actually a live line. It was in game, like the very beginning of the game. I was actually working on another show this morning and so I was just getting myself situated and was like, okay, this is on. But I grabbed Patriots plus six and a half pretty early in, and I didn't even need it. I didn't even need it. But uh, it was kind of like a panic pick, and I just went with my gut, and that is where we landed. So it ended up working out. Next up, the Chargers are at the Eagles, cross the country travel, so factor it in. Sunday, November 7th, 1.05 p.m. Pacific time. The Chargers, if you can believe it, versus the Eagles. Minus two and a half, not even three points, not a touchdown. Chargers minus two and a half at the Eagles total, 51 and a half. What did the Eagles just do? They just beat the Lions. Again, nothing to write home about. 44 to six. Are you kidding me with this line? Are you, I, I, I mean, I understand. Not a great performance from the Chargers. We saw them lose to the Ravens. They had the bye week. This has been a tough three weeks for them. But you're seriously saying that this Chargers offense versus this Eagles defense, minus two and a half for the Chargers. I know it's at the Eagles. And that can be a problem because they have to travel across the country. We saw that with the Ravens game maybe having a little bit of an impact. But are you kidding me with this line? Is it a joke? Tweet at me if you think it's a joke. Would love to hear your responses. Let's move on to USC. A comically large favorite in this game. They did not cover. Arizona at USC. USC was a 21-point favorite when all was said and done and closed. Total 56.5. This only shifted from minus 20.5 earlier in the week. So you got the full three touchdowns to cover, and you didn't even need it. You just needed 7.5, really. Final score, 41-34 to USC. So they did... Avoid total embarrassment because, again, Arizona, 0-7, now 0-8. Overhits. Just this season is, is virtually unwatchable for SC fans, I have to imagine, at this point. And here's why. Drake London, out for the season with a fractured ankle. If you miss this, my goodness... Not that it was like horribly gory or anything, but just the one bright spot of this USC football team and season just being blown out. Injury occurred with about 4.15 left in the first half when uh, Jackson Dart, that's SC's quarterback who was filling in, found him over the middle, drag route. He scored the touchdown, but he was tackled awkwardly and he immediately reached for that right leg. He was visibly upset. He was carted off. They carted him back on later with some street clothes on to finish watching the game. Just a heartbreaker. A heartbreaker for SC fans. His season was stellar nonetheless, because that's it for him. 88 catches, 1,084 yards, and seven touchdowns in just, just over seven games. Stellar. Absolutely stellar. Going to be an amazing NFL player, we hope. Can't wait to see him out there. So the question is now, what now, SC fans? What now? Taj Washington ranks second on the team with 396 receiving yards. Can we just, 
this is not, I don't even like, again, I don't even want to make this like, that's not a good number. It's just Drake was getting all the reps. Of course, all of the action here, but Drake had a thousand eighty four receiving yards and Taj Washington 396, the next closest person on his team. Not even close. So it really begs the question, what are we going to see now from this SE offense, especially with like, are we playing one quarterback? Are we playing two? What are we doing? I think Jackson Dart has only played two games now because he played against Washington. He could still redshirt. I believe he can play four games, so they could put him in for two more. But just like, what is that too? The coach got fired at the start of the season. We have rotating quarterbacks now. Your number one first over, like just great draft pick. Drake London, I was going to say first overall, probably not, is out. What are we going to, what? We'll talk about it anyway. I mean, Taj Washington ranked second. Gary Bryant Jr. actually led the Trojans with 89 yards and two touchdowns in that win over Arizona. And Kyle Ford, six foot two, 225-pound sophomore, he's listed as London's backup on the depth chart. So those are your options. Good options. SC is four and four. They still have to play Arizona State, Cal, UCLA, and then BYU to close out the season. Not horribly treacherous, but the way this Pac-12 is, I don't even know what to think. But them finishing with a winning record seems slim. The chances of that seem very slim, especially without Drake London. Best wishes to him. Hope he heals up quick. Next up, most... most uh, Expediently, USC plus nine at ASU, total sitting at 58 and a half. Normally, that spread would make sense to me, but Arizona State just lost their second straight game, turning the ball over five times against Washington State. I don't know what to do with this Pac-12. I'm just about at my wit's end here. There are five teams in the Pac-12 right now with five wins. Oregon has the best overall record of, of any team in the Pac-12 right now, seven and one. So they're pretty legit, at least as far as the Pac-12 is concerned. Beyond that, who knows? But the Pac-12 South is, is a mess. I mean, Utah, five and three. They lead the Pac-12 South. They beat UCLA, obviously. UCLA is five and four. Arizona State is five and three, but they own the win over UCLA because they beat UCLA. So five and three, five and three, five and four, all at the top of the Pac-12 South. And then SC behind that at four and four. And poor sweet Arizona at the bottom there, 0 and 8. And Colorado hanging out just above them, 2 and 6. What a mess. What a mess. It's not much better in this North. I mean, there's Oregon sitting by itself at 7 and 1. Washington State's now 5 and 4. Oregon State's 5 and 3. So, I mean, how many 5 and 3 or 5 and 4 teams do we have right now? It's just cannibalism in this <laughs> league it's just or the, yeah, I mean conference rather it's tough to handicap we'll talk about that too when Steve Mackinan comes on later in the show at the end of the show we're going to have him on in the last segment to talk about true home field advantage it'll surprise you I think wasn't shocking to me it was exactly kind of what I thought but I think if you're newer to betting you kind of think oh well home field advantage that's got to be worth a certain amount of points right and it might not be the case with the Pac-12 again I don't want to give too much away we'll get to that later let's wrap up with UCLA here so UCLA at Utah oh man I'm getting choked up I don't even want to do it Utah was a six and a half point favorite total at 60 and a half I hate playing at Utah when I 
was a cheerleader at UCLA. I went to a Utah away game. It was fun because we got to wear cute little winter outfits to warm our ears and such, which was funny also because the Utah cheerleaders were totally dressed normally. They're like, it's not even cold. And we're like, okay, well, we're from Southern California and we're a little chilly. So we're going to put this little warm thing on our ears. But we got beaten bad. And that's been my experience with uh, games at Utah since then. And their fans are unpleasant, she said politely. Like, that's the best way I can I can leave it at for this moment. But yeah, it's just not a fun road game to have to play. And UCLA has actually kind of been a great road team, I think, historically. And especially this, this year. This is their first loss on the road. Final score, 44-24. to Utah overhits. Utah obviously easily covers what I was expecting all week. And I have to say that, unfortunately, the way that I saw the UCLA-Oregon game going also happened. I said, going to be close, but I'd give the edge to Oregon. Boom, happens. And then, and here's the thing. Like, there might be things that I think are going to happen, but maybe UCLA will surprise me, and it's hard to bet against your own team, and you don't want to overcorrect as a homer and be like, oh, I'm not going to bet on UCLA because they're my team. So I, I kind of stayed off a little bit and backed off. But now after seeing the way they played against Utah, I mean, it's the same broken record. Their defense is atrocious. It's just not getting it done. Of course, important to note, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, UCLA's starting quarterback, did not start. Ethan Garbers was in a quarterback for UCLA. It's just, I, I don't even... This is, the, this is a great way to say it, actually. The LA Times headline had it like this. UCLA defense squanders Ethan Garber's promising first start in loss to Utah. I actually think it was funny because when I was looking at the LA Times article, I think that the description on the article said something like, UCLA fails to meet expectations, which I thought was the most like polite, almost British way of saying, like, what the is going on at this point, Chip Kelly? Like, Yes, Chip Kelly, I'm calling this person out at this point now because, Coach, what are you doing? You're 15 and 25 at UCLA. They were down 28 to 10 at halftime. They could not stop the rush. 290 rushing yards for the Utes. They averaged 6.6 yards per run. 469 total yards of offense. And it was, it was understandable that after, I'm really glad, I think we're all glad that the media asked, how can you justify keeping Jerry Azanaro at this point, their defensive coordinator? And it's almost infuriating the way that Chip Kelly decides to answer these things. Yeah, well, I'll just talk about it tonight. We didn't do a good job in the run game, meaning the run defense. We played, even this year, very well on the defensive side of the ball. And I think our defense has improved. Our defense improved last year. Uh, that, that, that. We don't care. Like, I don't care. That's just, oh, we just didn't play well in the rush category. That's like, this is a much bigger issue and downplaying it like that, especially to a fan base that, I mean, first of all, it's it's condescending because we know that, that is, this is not like, oh, we had an off game. We just couldn't defend the run tonight. It, I mean, fans are sick of it. I'm, I'm kind of sick of it at this point because there's not accountability, right? And that's just something I think that would make people feel a lot better. Fortunately, UCLA fans can avoid torture this week. They have a bye. Uh, then... They host Colorado on Saturday, November 13th. And they are about to hit an easier section of their schedule with games against Colorado. We hope that's easier. USC, who knows what's going to be going on with that program. And Cal, still to play. So at least things will hopefully be lightening up for the Bruins. Coming up, the Clippers host 
The Thunder Monday night. We'll talk about it next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. The Los Angeles CityCast is presented by Bet Rivers. Get paid faster with Bet Rivers Rush Pay. Daily boosts, special offers, great customer service, plus a $250 first time sign up bonus. Make Bet Rivers your hometown sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers app or visit betrivers.com for details. Welcome back to the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari, ready to talk about some NBA. No, not the Lakers. They do play Tuesday, though. Rockets at Lakers on Tuesday. But I'm talking about Monday night's game, Thunder at Clippers. Both teams off to a rocky start to their seasons, but one more surprising than the other here. The Clippers are 11-point favorites in this game right now. 212.5 is the total. That game tips off 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. As I mentioned, rough starts for both of these teams. Clippers are 1-4 on the season, but should have the upper hand here in this game. Thunder are 1-5. Let's talk about them right now. They're coming off a 21-point loss to the Golden State Warriors. In that game, Shea Gilgis-Alexander finished with 15 points. Josh Giddy had 10 points. But the team, 8 of 39 from 3. Ouch. Not going to cut it. Uh, Gilgis Alexander obviously leads the team in scoring at 22 points per game, but every other player on the Thunder scoring fewer than 12 points per contest. Again, not going to get it done. And it's not like their defense is anything to write home about either. As for the Clippers, they've lost their second straight game. That was on the road versus the Trailblazers, 111-92. Paul George finished with 32 points. He's leading the teams in points per game. Luke Kennard had 16 points off the bench, but the team only shot 39% from the field. It was kind of a weird off-shooting night for them, but we've kind of seen strokes of that so far in these first five games for them. What's going on? It's their worst start to a season since the 2010-2011 season, so it kind of just makes you wonder what's the issue. What's really interesting, too, is like this team wasn't particularly overwhelming necessarily and I know like I'm gonna get probably some hate for this even like when Kawhi was on this team last year they started off kind of rocky again because it was the first time these players were playing together we weren't sure if the Paul George and Kawhi thing was going to work well we weren't sure how any of it was going to fit much similar to the Lakers having to incorporate Westbrook now and just like with the Nets KD and then Harden and uh, you know whatever having to come together it's just, it's a chemistry thing at some point where they need some reps to play together. And so that's what we saw at the start of last season for the Clippers. And so you kind of were like, oh, okay, well, they were just trying to figure it out. But now it seems like, well, that's, you know, Kawhi's out of the picture. Paul George is stepping up. But does anybody want to back Paul George right now? Like, that's not the player that I'm rushing to the window to bet on. I mean, Gilgis Alexander is more that type of player for me. I don't know. This one is tough. And again, kind of a big point spread, a double-digit point spread for the NBA. Total pretty low here, 212 and a half. I was going to say I wouldn't hate an under here, but 
which is one of my favorite things. I wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't love it, but wouldn't hate it. But 212 and a half is pretty low. I want to I want to say that the Clippers minus 11 is is way too many points. I think that the Thunder can hang in there with them. It really just depends on what kind of shooting night you're going to get from these teams too. In theory, the Clippers should be able to to cover that no problem. That's what we're expecting from from this team, from this level of talent, but I just it's tough to say at this point. It's tough to say. And, and if you're a Clippers fan, I can't imagine that you're stoked with how this has gone so far. Like, Paul George can't be what you hang your hat on. Oh, we had two 40-point games. Okay. And? Yeah. It's just they, they need to do more. They need to do more as a team here. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Thunder plus 11 is the way to play this. Keep in mind, NBA is, I'm full disclosure, it was the sport that by far last season I did the worst at in betting. And by worst at, I mean 40% or so, but a loss nonetheless, like a loss of, of units. So maybe fade me. But uh, so far this season, actually, 2-0. So who's to say? So far, so good. Uh, Thunder plus 11. Give me some points. Maybe this Clippers team will be mad. Maybe they'll be like, man, we need to be better than this, and they'll bounce back. Again, that is, like, not elite-level handicapping there. But I never promised that to you guys. But I do promise that coming up, Steve Mackinnon, is there such thing as true home field advantage in the Pac-12? Steve Mackinnon joining the show to give us the answer. That's next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Let's welcome in Steve Mackinnon, our VSIN Point Spread Weekly Editor. He's a sports betting data analyst. Steve, thanks so much for making some time for us today. Oh, thank you, Danielle. It's great to be with you. I know that you're, uh, you were spending some time with your son this weekend, so I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today because you had an article on VSIN come out last week about true home field advantage. That's what you call it here. So, how did you kind of approach? figuring out what this was is what i'm doing in this uh, piece is i'm trying to find out uh, obviously the one of the age-old questions in handicapping football or any others but i'm trying to find out uh, what is the actual home field advantage not only across the the country or league but for each team specifically so what i set out to do here is find how much teams are, I guess, outplaying what they're supposed to do uh, on their home field. And I call that their true home field advantage. And uh, unfortunately, for some teams, you'll find it's actually a true home field disadvantage uh, in the fact that they're not playing anywhere near up to the expectation. Absolutely. So obviously, in the Los Angeles City cast, we focus on UCLA and USC. And according to your study, the Pac-12 is interpreted as the least true home field advantage of any conference lately. That's how I found it to be as well. 
Why do you think the Pac-12 has such a weak home field advantage? Okay, well, I'm going to ask you this, Danielle. You're UCLA. <laughs> I know that. Uh, as the Bruins uh, say they're hitting the road, like, is there any place in the Pac-12 where you feel there's uh, – this is not – you're not going to be able to win this game. I mean, just think of that perspective and uh, interested in hearing uh, how you feel about that. Well, I think you know the answer here. I read your article, and as soon as I read it, I completely agreed with it because we saw on Saturday UCLA, Utah. I hate going to play at Utah. When I was cheering at UCLA, we hated cheering at that stadium. The fans were tough. The environment was tough. So when I saw your article, I thought, well, of course, Utah is the team that actually might have an advantage here in the Pac-12. Is that the team that was the highest for you? Uh, yeah, and in terms of true home field advantage, they actually placed the uh, best in the Pac-12 at 5.9 points. Uh, now... The interesting thing here is this continued yesterday, actually, and the, the Pac-12 had five teams favored at home. Those teams were one and four against the spread, three and two outright. So uh, it's just a continuation of sorts for for the Pac-12. Now, if you look in the chart that I provided with the article for the Pac-12, there's only a couple teams that are over 500 against the spread over the last three and a half seasons at home. And naturally, Utah was one of those. They added a win to that. But going down the list further, we had Oregon fail to cover yesterday. They are now 6-15 and 15 in the last 21 games at home against the spread, despite the fact that they're winning a lot of games. It's a tough place to win at, but Oregon's just not playing up to the expectations of the odds makers. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, when we look at the teams in the Pac-12 that have, let's say, a worse home field advantage or none to speak of, you, you kind of mentioned that some teams actually have a, a disadvantage. Is there a team in the Pac-12 that that applies to? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, one of them is UCLA. Uh, oh, negative oh, dagger point, to the heart. So, uh, unfortunately, none of these teams uh, that I, there's four teams in the Pac-12 with a negative true home field advantage, and that's the highest number uh, of any conference across the country. So it just it seems like, and you'll see this in the pros too, that the West Coast does not provide as much of a home field advantage in general in football, and it may have something to do with the with even weather. Uh, they don't seem to even pack the, the crowds either as much as maybe like a, a Penn State or Ohio State or SEC team, that type of thing. So th I think there's several reasons that contribute, but UCLA, Arizona, USC, and Cal are all uh, negative true home field advantage teams. Oh, that is just such a bummer because I, I think that one of, this is one of the toughest conferences to handicap already. And so when you factor in things like this, but maybe it's something, I mean, do you think this is something that the bookmakers are aware of as well, or is this something where you could maybe find some value? That's an interesting comment, Daniel, because if you look at the charts, and there's a lot of great things you can take out of the charts that I've prepared for each conference. Now, mm -hmm. let's take right off the top here, Utah. So what I've done here is I've, uh, over the last three and a half seasons, I've uh, cataloged all the, the games that they played and the, the power ratings of, the, of them and the opponents that they played at that time during the span. Now, if you look at Utah, they've been expected to win by 11.7 points per game just based on their power rating compared to their opponent power rating. Now, their average line in that time has been minus 14.9. So, assumingly, odds makers are putting 3.2 points uh, for Utah's home field advantage. Now, if you go down the list of that, you'll see a, a, a general about a three to three and a half point home field advantage for the Pac-12. Obviously, that's not working out. They're not playing up to that level. Uh, when you figure four of the teams are actually disadvantaged, uh, there's some uh, real value of playing road teams. And I think you're going to see that 
because I'm following up the home field piece with a road field piece this week. Well, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to that. I think this is especially interesting for newer bettors. And I know that in California here, obviously, we don't have legalized sports betting yet. But we have people that are just getting into betting for the first time. And when I talk to them, they're like, well, don't you get three points for home field? And I was like, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah, that's uh, another one to think about. So everybody kind of assumes it's at three points. And what I have actually found in this study, it's 2.6 points for college football. And it's... It's an actually scary number of one for the NFL over the last uh, three and a half seasons. One wow. point. That's uh, that's all the uh, advantage that home teams are getting on average in the NFL. I mean, I definitely think that in Los Angeles, especially, we have trouble with home field advantage in general, whether it's the NFL or or USC or UCLA. So. Uh, Definitely something really interesting to consider, and it's kind of shocking to see that it's kind of progressing that way, and you're not really seeing those three-point advantages anymore. So uh, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to your next article. Make sure you follow him. Uh, check him out on VSIN. He's our VSIN Point Spread Weekly editor, Steve Mackinnon, everybody. Thanks so much, Steve. Uh, you're welcome, Daniel. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So please subscribe to the pod, leave a rating, and feel free to tweet at me, at Danielle Alvari. I'll be back, of course, for more fun and games on Wednesday, as always. So come on back for the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.